0: And the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, and the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully, the justice that is ultimately done. Don Jonah Nanto.
1: I forgot if I was supposed to go first or not. When I say. Right. I feel like last time I said the intro, and I just was like so excited. I was like, Don Palumbo, I'm here.
0: No, I stopped you actually. Yeah, because it's you know that happened organically, right? Just because we needed to take a breath, and it was like, there's too much silence. That wasn't written into (laughs) what we do, but it became. It became. So now we're overthinking it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So thank you to everyone uh, for listening. Thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed our podcast. The comments, the feedback, and support that we've received from our listeners has been. So fabulous, and we really, really, truly appreciate it. Jonah, what are people saying about Midwest murder?
1: Yeah, thanks again, guys, for the outstanding reviews. It really does motivate us, inspire us, and really help us get recognition out there in the podcast world. From RJ4393, five stars, outstanding. I am in law enforcement in rural North Dakota. I don't listen to podcasts, but this one I do. The details are great. The mood set is appropriate. Both of you should be recognized nationwide. I didn't know much, excuse me, I didn't know much about the history of North Dakota murders as I'm from a different state. So this does help me learn from previous cases and want to learn more. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's really cool to get props from law enforcement. That is a
0: huge compliment. Thank you. Thank you you so very, very much. Tell your friends
1: about us Yeah. and encourage them to review us just (laughs) as nicely as you did. (laughs) Uh, This next one, meh without you. On June 15th, five stars, Don and Jonah have converted me. I have traditionally not been a fan of true crime until this past year. I first delved into this genre with Midwest murder, and Don and Jonah made me an enthusiast. The banter, the background research, and the factual delivery of the information were exactly what I was looking for. It is simply a bonus that the stories are centered around the area in which I have found myself transplanted, ten out of ten, continuously recommend.
0: Oh my gosh, that is wonderful! And so, thank you for, thank you to both of you for for um, commenting and and just so you know, if you happen to miss last uh, last episode, we also read the bad ones too. Yeah. So you know, it's not just uh, this isn't just to inflate our egos. Um, believe it or not. Um, this is, uh, this is so that because we live and die by weird algorithms and they control our lives now, your reviews help us and our little podcast, Midwest Murder, move up the charts and it does wonderful things for us. So we, uh, we really, really do appreciate it. So if you can, please, uh, please rate and review, subscribe, all those things.
1: Yeah. Find yeah. us on iTunes.
0: And guess what? Jonah.
1: Tell me because something cool.
0: Jonah. This is episode. Are you waiting for it? Like. I can't jump, drum roll, but, um, big fake, thank you. This is episode 20. Woo!
1: That's is, pretty awesome. Yes.
0: Yeah. We it made is, it. We, we made it. Episode 20. It doesn't feel like it, but I mean, like I've, I've joked that all of this research is starting to affect my social skills. So I do believe it, actually. Um, so a huge shout-out um, to our sponsor, Shots Crossroads. They've been a part of the North Dakota family for two generations. Homemade is how they can be described, whether it is the giant selection of pies, caramel rolls, eight gallons of ranch. It's, it's homemade. There are items on their menu that can't be replicated anywhere else. The, the 88, the sour cream raisin pie, the parrette pie, the gravy, just mm, delicious. And they are a full-service truck stop, so you can fuel up, enjoy some great food food in the restaurant – some homemade sandwiches in the deli or find whatever traveling accommodation you might be looking for in the convenience store.
1: Yeah, swing through on the highway. Mm-hmm. Say hello. Yeah. Tell them you love their support of Midwest Murder.
0: Absolutely. They have online ordering. You can order your breakfast, lunch, or dinner on their website. There was a time that you couldn't call an order uh, to go order from them. Now we're in the like, future. This was, I mean, Futures we're, we're now. talking like decades ago. So yeah. And so it's super cool that they offer that like so many other places. You can order and pay and you'll even get a text when it's ready. And if you're not in the area... We're still talking to you. You um, can add them to your road trip list if you're coming through the area. But you can also buy someone a mobile gift certificate. So kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Again, the Midwest not complete without truck stops yeah. and our legendary truck stop and sponsor Shots Crossroads. They can serve a busload of people. Absolutely. Just so call ahead. Let them know. Yeah. You want the chicken and strips and cri- crispy fries?
0: No. No. The With bacon trees... Bacon cheeseburger. We'll get both. A, I'll split. A, we'll okay,
1: get both, and perfect. we'll each have we'll do halvesies.
0: I want my own ranch and I want my own gravy, though. <laughs> I'm not double dipping into yours. Also, a big thanks to No Bad Design House for our bitchin' logo. CJ Wynn for the help on the haunting and truthful intro, and Eric Michael Anderson for our bone chilling theme music. So here we are. We all have those cases that have changed our lives, and for those of you who have heard our our Q and A after our live shows. You'll have heard that episode three, Gina Dale North, was the one that changed my life as a child. Today's episode is the case that changed my life as an adult. We've had many questions on this one and even requests because it's just one of those cases that have touched so many. And uh, today we are going to be talking about the heartbreaking case of Drew Shadeen.
1: I've already got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And this this is one of the most... I, I, I shudder to use this word, but it's it's this is a, a renowned and infamous North Dakota case. It really is. This is, is also mm-hmm. one where Jenna North happening in '93 is so long ago. This one, I was becoming an adult, right? right? I was so much more aware of the news and aware of my state and what was happening.
0: Yeah. And and you were the, you are the same age. Yes, you were, you were born in 1981. So was she. Yes.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. It, so it's... yeah, it, it. But like many people, I believe. I only know kind of the headlines. I don't know the, the the full story. Wow.
0: Well, it was 2003. Belgium became the second country in the world to legally recognize same-sex marriage. Netherlands was the first. Wow. In 2003. Wow. We It's time to catch up. The Space Shuttle Columbia exploded upon re-entry, killing all seven astronauts. The Iraq War began in March and what a, is that's a still rough year. going on. Yeah. That would also lead, that war would also lead to the capture of Saddam Hussein, the former president of the of Iraq. The Human Genome Project was completed. The cool part of that whole project, which lasted about t- uh, 20, 25 years, if I recall, was that scientists on this project were able to identify 99% of human genes accurately. Super cool. Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California after the, are you ready for my dad joke? The total recall Bam. Of, of Governor Gray Davis. That's so good. I did it.
1: So I mean, that's yeah, it's perfect. It's a good dad joke. If you get it, if you know, you know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Tampa Bay Bucks—they won the Super Bowl that year. Serena Williams won her fourth straight Grand Slam, calling it a Serena Slam.
1: Shout out to the Bucks! That was like um, one of the best defenses ever.
0: Lance Armstrong. Well, and it was John Gruden was the coach yeah. as well.
1: Brad Johnson, maybe the least efficient quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> Lance Armstrong, uh, Buccaneers fans, please—you uh, can find Jonah's email uh, anywhere you'd like. I'll give it to you. Lance Armstrong won his first or his, pardon me, his fifth consecutive race on the Tour de France, which he was, of course, later stripped of those wins when he was caught doping, which everybody in the sport does anyway, but he was just caught. And the Florida Marlins won the World Series, basically war in sports this year. And uh, yeah. thank the scientists, because without them, we wouldn't have the DNA testing we have today, thanks to the Genome Project. Right. So today's episode takes us to Grand Forks, North Dakota, two hours from the Canadian border. 45 minutes from Fargo depending on how fast you drive 75, 75 miles right? actually uh 30 seconds or across the Red River from Minnesota it's known for the University of Hockey or you know I,
1: it is kind guess, of the University of Hockey I guess I but know where I'm going it's not the yeah. official name
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> University of North Dakota the Grand Forks Air Force Base and the UND Hockey Program is what I was trying to say which was of course um embattled in the huge name change with the ncaa and the artist formerly yet, <laughs> known as the
1: fighting sioux <laughs> yes
0: and which are now known as the fighting hawks after the native americans of course uh the area was used by trappers and traders as a trading post and called le grand Fouche. okay i'm not french nor will i pretend to be so
1: they i should have kept le grand it's. Fouche.
0: it's like uh Fouche yeah. in south dakota right
1: well, when I first approached Belfouche, South Dakota, I was like, oh, Belfourche. Yeah, no. Why do they Fouche. spell it that way? <laughs> be- be- that was very American of you because it's, <laughs> because it's French. My I gosh. Know. Like, goodness. I know. I know.
0: Oh, man, I'm going to e- start emailing you my complaints. Uh, like many of the other parts of the Midwest and the Plains, of course, um, Grand Forks is known for the agriculture, but also for the um, uh, one of the plants of the American Crystal Sugar Company and one of the plants of the Simplot Potato Company. So let's just say it can get super smelly in that area. Again, if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. Drew Shadin was a beautiful, caring daughter, sister, and friend. She was raised in Pequot Lakes, Minnesota, which is about 200 miles from Grand Forks. From all accounts, she was a person everyone could go to. Reliable, loving, friendly, and described by one of her friends that she was someone who made the world a better place. Drew was born in September of 1981 to her mom, Linda and Alan, a year after her brother, Sven. So I think, I think they might be Scandinavian. That's my, my, I got a hunch. That was, I
1: got a hunch. Dad joked on.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I'm, I'm really, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing a great job today. After her parents divorced when she was three years old, her uh, family still remained close. And even after Linda and Drew's stepfather, Sid, moved, um, Linda, along with Drew's stepfather, Sid, uh, moved the family to their lake home in in Pequot Lakes, Minnesota. Drew's dad remarried and remained in the Minneapolis area. And when she graduated in 2008, From the year 2000, so a year older than, or a year younger than you actually, in Pequot Lakes High School, even as homecoming queen, no less, Drew went on to attend college at the University of North Dakota, which is located in Grand Forks, obviously. She was artistic and also played a variety of sports like basketball, volleyball, and golf, kind of the girl next door, right? Being an incredibly active person, it was no different during college. She was a member of the Gamma Pi Beta sorority, volunteering with underprivileged teens working two jobs, one at Victoria's Secret and one as a server at the El Rocco nightclub, all while attending university with a full schedule. She even interned with the university's well-known aviation program.
1: Well, she sounds just freaking awesome. Yeah, sounds absolutely. Sounds like a really badass person. Somebody who has ambitions. I, t- I, I admire ambition so much.
0: Oh, and, yeah, and absolutely. Especially person, at such a young age. Yes. You know, that's A person's huge. will to
1: pursue. Right. It's something that, that I... As a parent, I want to encourage my children all the time. Absolutely.
0: On November 22nd, 2003, Drew finished her shift at Victoria's Secret in the Columbia Mall at 4 p.m. and decided to do a little bit of Christmas shopping like so many other people that time of year. Last minute minute shopping? Last minute. That's not too last minute, I guess. Last minute is what I'm doing on 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 December 23rd. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so she decided to walk around um, afterwards then. So she ended up in Marshall Fields, making a purchase, and then left the store. As she was walking to her car, she called her boyfriend, Chris Lang. Chris was in the process of moving to the Minneapolis area, which is about three hours away. When she called, they talked for a little bit, and then she said what sounded like, okay, okay, oh my god. That was it. A little while later, around 7.45 p.m., Chris got another call from Drew, but this time only heard wind blowing and numbers being pushed on the keypad four or five times. Then the call ended. That phone call lasted for 55 seconds. And he heard nothing. Chris called Drew's roommate to see if he knew where she was, or if she knew where she was. Meg wasn't too worried at this point because she assumed she was busy, but then Drew's boss from the El El Rocco nightclub called to see where Drew might be since she didn't show up for her shift that night. And that was, of course, very uncharacteristic of her. Meg started making calls. So Jonah, if you don't hear from someone, and it isn't in their nature to go without communication, so you know, whatsoever, and you know, obviously this was you know almost twenty years ago, so communication not everybody is, has
1: cell phones yet, right? Right. Now. right.
0: They, I mean, they were you know gaining popularity, but not everybody had one. No, not, like, for sure not. We were still in the home phone phase, right? Absolutely. So what what would you do?
1: Uh, I'm I'm running down the list of contacts first and foremost, right? I am I am not. Mi- I'm not super reactionary. But it also depends on who the someone is. Right. If it's my daughter, I'd it's probably call right? on the cops immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I'd, I'd probably be – but if it's like my buddy or a friend or a coworker, right. even a roommate, like I've had that thing. Hey, man, mm-hmm. I so, so-and-so is supposed to meet me and then you start calling around. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they, they crashed here. They did something, right? So for me – uh, i'm i'm going down the list of contacts immediately I like that's, how you that's said just my it, normal reaction
0: i like how you said it depends on how uh, reactive you are i am reactive and i'm you know i'm i'm fueled by coffee red wine and anxiety so it's i'm like oh my gosh you know it, so at that time you know almost 20 years ago it would have been been very different so like i've i've been in that situation what? before and um you, you know you might call a hospital to see if your person has been admitted maybe call the local detention center to see if they've been booked you know which, I guess yeah. Those that's know, so mean, weird
1: to me. Those thoughts don't even calling really? a hospital or a detention oh. center didn't even enter my mind. Oh, gosh. My for me, it's call all the people immediately close to them first. Mm-hmm. And if if I've got no result there and I still haven't heard and like we're there's, I I might just want to call the cops right away. Right. Like that, well, you know, and if, I, you, I if think you know you, about this kind of a weird phone call too, you've got a little bit of information weird. to yeah. go on here. Yeah, there's sort of a bizarre phone call because I'm guessing. I'm assuming that you know he heard okay, okay. Oh my god! And then she must have hung up the phone right mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So that's a little creepy, right? Right?
0: But then you know, maybe not thinking anything of it. Like you know, maybe maybe she just bumped into somebody or or whatever. You know, you just you you aren't going to assume the worst. And and, you, of and doing you did
1: Midwest murder, Don? I my now my mind's changed too, though. It, right, if you right. asked me the same question a year ago, it might be it different. Be than, Okay, different. well, I do a murder podcast now, yeah. and shit tends to freak me out a little more. <laughs> right?
0: I, I You're more. You're more. Uh, woke, as the the children say. I guess, you know. And it is. It. I should also point out too that it depends on who it is. Like you said, you know, it's if you don't get back to me um, for a couple hours, I'm like, oh, he's he's busy. But if right. it's somebody that I regularly talk to, if it was, so yeah, so if it was I'm not JC, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call. Other, yeah, if it's my significant other, if it's my
1: kid, yeah. my reaction's gonna be different than if it's right. my homie, if it's my best yeah. buddy, if it's my bro. Yeah. You know, yep. we'll make some calls, maybe swing by somebody's house. Right, right. I'm not jumping to alarmist. Right. But it's but somebody,
0: yeah, it is. It's very, it's very situational. Yeah. I think and it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting to kind of think of it from, from that perspective. Um, and especially 20 years ago, you know, when, when things are different. So. Well, Meg did call the hospital. There, there wasn't anyone by that name that had been admitted. And then now the worry is starting to set in because again, this behavior was not in Drew's nature. Meg called the University of North Dakota Police Department and asked for some assistance in helping locate her friend. You know, maybe she'd been in an accident, maybe, and maybe, you know, hadn't been found yet. Maybe, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. So meanwhile, Chris, her boyfriend, called Drew's mom, Linda Walker, to let her know that Drew seemed to be missing. Linda called Drew's dad, Alan, and Alan hopped in his pickup, you know, remember from the Minneapolis area or, or within, kind of within that a region. A couple hours away. Yeah, a couple hours away. He's
1: not down, he's not in Grand no, Forks. yeah. No.
0: And began, he began the drive to Grand Forks. While Alan was driving, Lieutenant Dan Rasmussen of the UND Police Department went to the Columbia Mall to see if she could still be there. And remember the last time anyone had heard from her, she was still walking to her car. But at 11 p.m., when Lieutenant Rasmussen found Drew's red 1994 Old M- Oldsmobile cutlass, it looked like any other vehicle having a sleepover in a parking lot, sitting there alone with no activity around it. When he got to the car, it looked like an average 22-year-old's vehicle. It had a cluttered back seat with clothes, a random piece of trash, and a Marshall Fields shopping bag behind the driver's seat. Nothing seemed out of place, and certainly nothing sinister at first glance. But the car was unlocked, which is odd, and Drew's wallet was in the car. As Lieutenant Rasmussen walked around the vehicle, he noticed on the side of the vehicle a black sheath that, that looked like a holder for a multi-tool or a knife. At that time, Lieutenant Rasmussen called the Grand Forks Police Department to let them know what he suspected and what he had found. When Alan got to Drew's car, her dad, you know, her dad at this time, mm-hmm. which of course remained in the parking lot once police finished investigating it. And we're still putting things together at this point. He sat with it all night. Oh man! It, it just that part just hurts my heart. Can you, can you... That
1: sits that sits with me really hard to hear because there's the shock and and worry and hope right there. Maybe just maybe maybe she comes back. Maybe maybe somebody come That's yeah.
0: Maybe that's she. Heart wrenching. Maybe she had a you know. A different friend, or or I mean, you just you just never know, right? So you could just you're just sitting there with that feeling of she's going to show up, you know, and then I'm going to be mad for a minute, and but it's going to be fine because she's fine, and that's that.
1: Well, it would seem she, you know, a, you walk through the scenario of somebody walking to their car. You've been shopping. You open the door. You put right. your you put your 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 bags in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: So taking into consideration all of the clues, the pieces fell into place quickly that Drew was missing and it was likely an abduction. Hopeful that she'd return, people immediately started searching for her anyway, and it was a huge community effort. People everywhere reaching out, wanting to find her, and again, still hopeful that it wasn't what it was likely leading up to be. Unfortunately, nothing had turned up at this point. The investigation continued and was far from losing momentum. And they even called in federal authorities for assistance. Just three days after Drew's disappearance, searchers found a shoe near Crookston, Minnesota. The shoe, which matched the one that Drew had been wearing, was found on the bank of the Red Lake River under a bridge. Crookston isn't far. It's about 25 miles west of Grand Forks. And remember, Grand Forks borders... Minnesota. On on Minnesota, so right. you know Crookston Grand is Forks on the Minnesota and Minnesota side of the question, yep. Minnesota. Yep, and you know you've got Grand Forks and East Grand Forks, which you know just across the river from one another.
1: I there, there's there's two sides. And, to this uh, when I see this East Grand effort. Forks
0: is from is in Minnesota. Sorry, I wanted to clarify that for you. You've got
1: friends, volunteers, you've got students from the university. I I don't want I I want to really emphasize you, you're talking. Scores of people from all levels. So this wasn't just, Absolutely. oh, we got 10 officers looking around. No, this no. is, this all is, hands on this deck. is the homecoming queen. Mm-hmm. This is a popular, well-loved yep. person, a person who cared about their community. The community response to this really was exceptional and well, people I, were I, looking in every direction. And I, I just like to,
0: and I think to more find than a shoe
1: under a bridge, yeah. is that a needle in a haystack or did it, did it, you know, was the timeline and finding that was, were they quick enough? I don't know. You know, it, it's, it seems like so it's such an impossible task. Have you ever been trying to find a person in a city, right? I'm really good at hide and go seek don and i'm'm I'm, people can't find me in my house sometimes, <laughs> right you know and, yeah. and like I just look at these forest games and this is
0: this is this is outside of the city that she even lives in, yeah you know and um you know so that was one of my questions it's a, It's a great thing is how you know how did they go about or how does that happen? How do you decide where the line is to search? What if they decided not to search Crookston, which is, again, just 25 miles away? Did they search Crookston because it's another college town that maybe, you know, maybe she went that way? I mean, you you just, you don't, you don't know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to understand. Like, was it, was that a good amount of time? Did they find that shoe fast or, or, or did this take too long? Uh, Because I don't know the process and that'd be just an an interesting follow-up, I guess.
0: So, remember that we're in 2003 and technology is starting to progress, uh, but it isn't what it is today. No. Not even close. No. And so, during the investigation, police found that there were no cameras on the outside of the mall. So, they turned to the interior cameras. And we're talking cameras that are still videotapes, right? So, they're likely recycled These after 30 days. These, These are literally v- VHS. VHS tapes. They've been re-recorded
1: yep. on numerous, numerous times, times. Yep. which, which
0: so is makes the quality maybe garbage. get gets yeah. a
1: little worse each time, yeah. really.
0: So investigators watched hours upon hours of footage looking for a woman wearing the Victoria's Secret outfit of the 2000s, black and pink. And when they found her, they looked for anyone who, you know, was possibly following her as they're piecing together her last moments or last known moments. Uh, you know, they're, they're just looking for anybody, anything, anything suspicious, but they didn't find anything. And what and, does
1: suspicious even look like? You know? Right
0: right somebody that is showing up in frames you know, continuously i mean what what do you at this point this is the needle in the haystack you know i mean you're you're really you know nothing and you're just trying to put it all together so the footage is beyond eerie to me it's as haunting as hearing 911 calls of certain cases and and you can see her last known moment, moments and movements in front of you and and frankly it is chest crushingly sad because you know what's to come you know that these are the last moments. With some clues and profiling, the investigation turned towards sex offenders in the area. Meanwhile, they're still reviewing tape and yes, again, VHS tape for suspicious persons. One person catches their eye, but it's it's at the point, you know, hours before Drew goes missing and even before she's finished her shift at Victoria's Secret. The male is wandering around Target, shopping for anything but merchandise. You can just see he's he's wandering on the on the footage, he's wandering the CD aisle when target had cd aisles still and he is not looking at any of them he is just you know they like, got a
1: bigger like vinyl section than cds I said, now now they do yeah
0: it's wild yeah i mean so he's not even he's he's not even looking at any of them so then he sits on a bench near the exit for 11 minutes he gets up puts gloves on his hands and walks out the door at 352 p.m. okay so before drew is is off work even
1: I'm sorry, what time? This is in November. This is
0: November. So, putting gloves on in November. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. It's not that creepy. No, it's not that creepy. Yeah, just everything's starting to add up. Knowing what
1: I know, it creeps me out.
0: But at that point, it's November. I mean, and it's cold, right? So, what they also notice is right before he gets up to leave, a blonde woman walks out the door. But it isn't Drew. Investigators scrubbed the list of sex offenders in the area and found four names out of 60 that seemed to fit the profile. And also have ties to the Crookston area. Because remember, they found this shoe. So right. he's got to have ties to that area. One of those men is Alfonso Rodriguez. The person that followed the, the woman out of Target before she disappeared is Alfonso Rodriguez. So things are starting to fall into place. Alfonso Rodriguez, who was born in February of 1953, was part of a large family. A child of migrant workers, originally from Texas, that settled in the Crookston, Minnesota area. His family called him Tito. He didn't lead an exciting life, really not much, you know, not much to be said, and always seemed to be holding menial jobs. He claimed to be bullied as a child, both of, both for what he claimed was his large head, his dark skin, and his physical limitations, which was a hand tremor and a limp that he walked with. His sister Rosa explained in interviews later, "Quote Tito wouldn't sit with all of us at the dinner table. He avoided, he avoided being with us. He would get his food and go downstairs to his cave in the basement. Tito had his own bedroom next to the kitchen that had a bed, but most of the time he would prefer to sleep on a cot in the basement. End quote. So you could say that he was somewhat of a socially awkward, reserved outcast, I guess, if you will. I mean, I don't like using that word, but everything, you know, in all in all definition, I guess that would be kind of the best way to describe him. Rodriguez had just been released from prison after twenty three years just six months before in May
1: whoa say twenty three years
0: he served twenty three years and had just whoa. been released six months prior in May of that year. that prison wow. time was for multiple sexual assaults, which also made him a level three sex offender level that's, three I'm sex offender that's most is, dangerous that is the most serious, the most dangerous, and that level of offender is at felony level of assaults
1: mm so twenty-three years. Things are level three sex offender.
0: I mean, the guy is the guy is.
1: This is the kind of release I'm feeling like will make everybody question releases. For sure,
0: absolutely. Investigators paid a visit to Rodriguez at a job site in the Grand Forks area uh, where he was employed, and after some discussion, you know, investigators search his vehicle. They find a knife like a knife tool kind of thing soaking in a chemical of some sort in the trunk. That knife matches the knife that belongs to the black nylon sheath found by Drew's vehicle by Lieutenant Dan Rasmussen. Also in the vehicle, they find some blood, which would eventually show that uh, that blood would match Drew's DNA. So at that time on December 1st, 2003, barely a week after Drew went missing, Alfonso Rodriguez was arrested for the kidnapping of Drew Shadin.
1: Wow. One one week later.
0: When asked about his whereabouts, um, since, you know, he was placed at the mall at that time that, that Drew was there, he said he went to see a movie. And that movie was Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Except Homeboy didn't get his facts straight because that movie wasn't playing that day. At oh, all. At that place or anywhere in the area.
1: Not a, not a great alibi. So,
0: I think it was safe to say that they had their guy. At this point, they're assuming that drew is not coming back alive with, with what they found in his vehicle and they still hadn't found her or her remains, but everyone continued to search.
1: And and, and, and I'm assuming once they, they had their guy, he was all, I'm innocent.
0: Of course. He, he, there yeah. was
1: no, there was no, okay, you got me. Here's
0: he pled not guilty. And he this wasn't... is,
1: this is a room. I want to, I want to give these guys a little bit of credit here because that's a that's a pretty remarkably quick turnaround to find oh, somebody for sure. responsible. This is December for December
0: first, she went missing on November twenty second. This was it, defe- December first.
1: There's mm-hmm. so many of these cases where people are, you know, missing. Look at Jack Scholl, who we right? did and, and was missing for over a month. And
0: mm-hmm. we're talking it doesn't ten, make like ten anything. Days. It
1: doesn't make anything better. But geez, that's quick on the part ten of of, of the efforts here. Yeah. Yep.
0: So later that month, of course, we're talking, you know, December. It's cold. They postponed the group search due to weather, but were able to pick it up again in in late February of 2004 as Rodriguez awaited trial. So, mind you, during that time, they did not, you know, the family and the close, the close, you know, close friends and, and those things didn't stop the search. It was just the group search, you know. But they were they were continuing.
1: They're probably out there on snowmobiles doing looking I, everywhere absolutely
0: right. and you know we're, we're I talking I, 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 minnesota 20 years ago yeah we were getting a lot of snow right i mean it's yeah um and so they were continuing to look
1: it's not yeah, yeah you're, this is this is not great searching conditions right absolutely i mean not it's
0: cold you know that's why they had i mean they had postponed that search anyway so then they, they it's like, like how I would said. You even know where to look? I'm sorry. I, I was know. like, how would you even know where to look? So that is that is a part that's stuck in my brain throughout this whole thing is how how do you figure that out? You know, I mean, so is fruitless it
1: fruitless sometimes?
0: You know, and 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 again, you know, it's there's obviously there's likely information out there that we don't have, right? As of course. you know, and so I'm sure there's something that led them to the areas that they were. You know, well, to be,
1: to be searching, y- y- you know. You've got your guy and you know he has ties to Crookston. So then, okay, let's so search. obviously. Let's start searching all the bogs and fields and whatever. In that area. Crookston, especially finding
0: that shoe, you know, bringing out cadaver dogs, all of that, you know, all of, all of those things, you know,
1: but. The shoe but even, the river, do you know, did they, did they scuba the river? They did. So yeah, they even they searched the river. They searched they the river pretty mm-hmm. extensively. Yep, okay. Yep.
0: Yep. So the, uh-huh. as Rodriguez is awaiting trial, um, you know, time is marching on, of course, and still no answers. Um, but the, the group search was, was continuing. And, you know, of course, in the spring, snow starts to melt. And April seventeenth two 2004, those around Drew's life would be changed forever. While searching a ditch west of Crookston, after snow was melting, human remains of a female were found. The body was face down, partially nude, and the female's hands were bound behind her back, she had been stabbed, beaten, and had a five-and-a-half-inch laceration on her neck. Also on her neck, there was a rope that had been tied and remnants of a shopping bag that would indicate that the bag had been placed over her head at some point. As everyone suspected already, it was confirmed that those remains were Shadin's. The medical examiner couldn't pinpoint the exact cause of death, but it would have either been from exposure, the neck wound, or suffocation. Alfonso Rodriguez was, you know, of course, awaiting kidnapping trial, but he was now charged for her murder, which would of course change everything. He wouldn't be tried until 2006. So it seems like
1: an awfully long time to get this man to trial.
0: Yeah, and so the the interesting part in this case is that I,
1: can I stop just yeah, for please. one second. Yep, yep. her half-naked body in the ditch. It it seems like that would have been found sooner. Like that, just you know, again, no fault to anybody. I like it's a body in a ditch.
0: So here's how, what, um, what, like, so how is it not conflicting reports? Some have said ditch, some have said ravine. Okay. So you know, going off of old footage and and all of that, you know, how deep was that ditch? Was it a ravine? Was it something? You know, plus there was snow. How soon after did it snow? It was
1: yeah, it, it was November, mm-hmm. so if there's snow on the ground, and it snowed right. within the, the the few days. I guess you could the body could be covered, and especially if it was in a deeper ravine. Because when I hear ditch, I'm thinking I'm driving. As down, you're driving
0: on the highway, you see it. Driving on the highway, yeah. you see it, or even on a yep. dirt road,
1: you see it. It's a ditch. You, you know, yep. you you can see if there was generally. I mean, I look at ditches all the time when I drive. Right.
0: Yep. And, yep. and
1: that. Okay, so if a deeper ravine. So if it,
0: if it was a, you know, some just, some of it, yeah, some have used the, the the term ravine. Some have used ditch, you know. So even just cutting that in half, right? And it's going to be a deeper, maybe a deeper ditch, is what I would go with, you know. So it's what it wasn't, you know, quote high.
1: It wasn't just the, these guys were. I want to. I just want to make sure they're not missing something that was pretty obvious. Yeah, out I there.
0: don't, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. You know, so at, at this point. You know and so then you you put yourself in the in the family and you know even Chris Lang's shoes, right? So he was the last person to he was the last person to talk Can to ever
1: hear her voice
0: and so at at five this is hang on let me this is the interesting part. so when when he or when when drew called, it was at exactly. So she left, according to the the videotapes. Drew left Marshall Fields at precisely five p.m., according to security cameras. On the camera, you see her put her arm, or her like her hand, her arm up to her um, right ear.
1: That's the phone call. she's And that's getting the call that Chris. she's
0: calling Chris at that time, while she's or exiting. calling him or getting the yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's calling him while exiting the store. So she's walking out to her par- to her car, talking. You know, she had just she had just bought a Coach purse at. Marshall Fields. And, you know, one of the one of the reports say that it was, you know, it was on sale It was like clearanced, right? So we're talking, you know, in 2003, it was a designer purse, it's clearanced. Well, I mean, it's still a designer purse, but clearanced, then she had a discount and a, and a gift card for it. I mean, so she's, you know, likely exciting. Maybe it was, maybe it was a gift for herself. Maybe it was a gift for somebody else. But she is, you know, she is Talking to talking to Chris and just excited, right? Yeah. Just moving Chattering on, you know. She's yeah, got to she's got to work tonight. Her boyfriend's moving. He's you know at the at that time, and that call. So when she said okay, okay, or what Chris thought, you know, that's I mean, that's what she he sort put together, like, right? right? The call ended at five oh four. That's when she hung up. So at seven forty two, that was when uh, that was when he received the the call from her again at seven forty two. Interviews with him or coming from interviews with him, he thinks that that was the killer trying to turn off her phone and hang up her phone. So according to reports and her, her cell records, that was still pinging off a tower near Crookston and near, near you, think, you th- and as you of think that morning,
1: Drew made that call, and then he shut it off, or he was just trying to shut her phone off and accidentally called the last person because you're, you're talking flip phone era, right? Here. Oh yeah, absolutely. It'd be easy to fat finger and accidentally mm-hmm. call somebody, yep. much easier than it is now with our touchscreen phones. And
0: somebody who had been incarcerated for 23 years, you don't know had, how to use a cell phone at all. No, what is literally don't? Machine? Yeah, right.
1: seriously, that's like you. That's that's actually a really astute point to to note. This is somebody that that's a foreign object to them. Right. Right. But you know enough to know, well, this could this, track where I am at. This yeah. What if this tracks where I am at? I mean, we I have we have former cases where people went in and thought that the government could just listen to their actual mm-hmm. phone calls on right. their phone. So right. this is how little sometimes understanding there are some of that these criminals have of, yeah. of this technology. So yeah, yeah. yeah he's probably trying to sh- shut it off, fat fingers it, accidentally calls Chris, and this was
0: And that's what that's what Chris thinks. Three hours away, and that's what that's that's what what already happened. Chris thinks that it was a mistake that he just called the last person that she was talking to.
1: It's just so freaking creepy. Fifty five. What did this creep say to her in that in those moments? Right. Drop drop your stuff. Right. Like what was it? And okay, okay. Oh my God, Drew's obviously probably scared. Probably doesn't even know what's about to happen. And And, and, you know, like
0: well, it was a flurry of activity because he dropped the sheath to his his tool, right? The, the, the knife, the multi-tooler tool, like knife. Well, if he, He's thing. little
1: and somewhat gimpy, no offense, mm-hmm. but he's got the, he's kind of got the gimp yep. as, as outlined. And yep. uh
0: Yeah. I mean, so it's a, it's a struggle. She was taller, right? So she, I'd
1: like to think it was a struggle.
0: I hope so. I mean, just from all accounts of what, you know, who she was, how she was.
1: She's an athlete, you yeah. know, a go getter. Yep. I, I, yep. I, I want to believe she fought, right? You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's the part I think as a, as a survivor of, of, uh, of a victim like this, you know, you, you can get caught up in those, those last moments of somebody, you know, like how, like, I, I can't imagine, I mean, me as, as just someone who was touched in the community thinking of that, like my goodness, you know, and then it's always, you know, what would I have done in that position and, and, or in that you just, you don't, you don't know.
1: No, no, you don't know. There's no, there's no tough talk, right? But I, I right. want I, I, just want to believe that that she fought. You I, know? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So again, this, you know, it, it's going to take. It takes a while to build this case against Rodriguez, and but the part that keeps delaying it is it was then decided that it would be tried. It was bumped to a federal crime okay. because it crossed state lines. Because right, it
1: crossed state lines. All right. Well, you got kidnapping into murder, right? right. That's, yeah yeah I've so because seen he a lot the, of times yeah. when you when it, you get both of those two, mm-hmm. even when it doesn't cross state lines, I've seen plenty of times where that that becomes federal.
0: federal so yeah, I mean, so he wasn't going to be tried in district court, you know or or Grand Forks right. county specifically. it was um it was federal court, right? So as we've talked about in other in other cases, you know, Grand Forks, Fargo, now they try things in Fargo. It was, you know, they they did a change of, I mean, so we're talking about a like, okay, well, we need to file these charges and then bump them federally. So then you're getting the U.S. Attorney's Office, Drew Wrigley specifically, um, involved. Then, then because it is bumped to federal, the death penalty comes into of into course. play. You know, so neither Minnesota nor North Dakota have the death penalty, oh. and so it was, and then the death penalty federally was it was. Uh, what's the what, what's the word i'm looking for um, removed i guess if you will in 1988 so as of 2019 62 federal death row inmates are you know currently incarcerated this is in 2019 and then after being reinstated so the, the death penalty in 1988 78 have been sentenced to death since only 3 of which have been executed so I mean, they're we've
1: moved away as a society from from, from that. Yeah, we really yep. have. Which is a completely different. For better or sh- or I mean, worse, we could do an entire yes, yep. we could do
0: an entire show on that. So this is something unheard of, right? And in North Dakota, this is the first death penalty case that had been tried in over a century, in over a hundred wow. years. You know, so my my assumption is that I mean, they are treading lightly, or or, or carefully, I should say, not lightly. I think they're dropping the hammer, but treading carefully to make sure that it is done by the book. Procedurally and, and, correct. Yeah. So that they don't mess us up because none, nobody in our lifetime was, I mean, they're during this case or that had a, you know, had an active involvement in the case they weren't around a hundred years ago, <laughs> you know? So this is definitely, definitely something that, that they're, that they're working towards. And so I think that explains the delay and why it took so long to get there. You know, they're still building the case just as you would with any other case, but then you're bumping it febri- federally then your you have to have a motion or a hearing to see if you can enter in the death penalty, which of course in a state it was where there is yeah, not one. Yeah. yeah. So then it was it was allowed. So the the trial happens, and he's he's represented by a by a guy that's or by by two. Pardon me, by two gentlemen um, that wouldn't be around to help with the appeal. Let's just say that. So the in August of two thousand. 2006, August 30th, he was found guilty of murder and kidnapping. A month later, after what one juror described as typically, or basically being another trial, he was sentenced to death.
1: Yeah, there is, because that's something, again, that I've learned in the Daphne Wright case, which is the episode that preceded this one, the... Convicting of of murder and or kidnapping, that's one trial. Then there's a separate, and it is a shorter trial mm-hmm. to determine. It's oh,
0: basically a trial. It's a death it's a penalty. Here, yeah.
1: It's a second. It's a, it is a full second trial. There's a there's mm-hmm. a different opening. There's an opening step argument. There's right. a closing yeah. argument. It has all the formalities, but you, you have don't to call in a bunch of new witnesses or right. anything. You like have to prove
0: why death is yeah. necessary, why the penalty death penalty is necessary. Yeah, there yeah.
1: there in that case, I mean you you still call in some witnesses, uh, like in the Wright trial, Daphne Wright trial, for example. Her mom testified during the Capitol – Part of the trial. So anyways, there there is that. But I, I did not know that. It's a very, mm-hmm. to me, interesting layer of our legal system.
0: It's not just you're found guilty. Oh, okay. Death.
1: You're found guilty. Also, um, we're going to... You, you're found guilty of murder, capital crime, also the death penalty. Right. No, it's you're found guilty. Now, let's, let's take you to trial to see if what you have done is vile and depraved enough that we want to put you that on death want- row. Exactly.
0: So after being convicted, his attorney said, quote... Oh, man. Uh-huh. It doesn't reflect the heart of the community. It reflects the fear of the community. End quote. I'm Rodriguez's sorry.
1: Rodriguez's defense attorney said that? Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Implying
0: that the, the death penalty is, or or that ruling reflected the fear of the community
1: well they did so, they did he get convicted of the death penalty or not yes this- so he
0: was given he, oh i yeah he was sentenced to death yep. okay yep. so so yep.
1: he was guilty for the regular trial and then, and was then, then also death. was sentenced to death in the yes. capital trial okay yes. yeah 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 yep. and that says that after being convicted so Whoa.
0: so what i mean sentence are, sentences are given to deter punish and rehabilitate and or rehabilitate but like I mean, they're, they're not. They're they're not. You're there. talking so, about so, a
1: man who just got out after 23 years. I'm yes. sorry, but that.
0: So saying that it doesn't re- that, that that voting on the death penalty or, or deciding the death penalty doesn't reflect the heart of the community, it reflects the fear of the community. Um. Yeah, like w- what? What is what is even what's the point with of that you? quote? And sometimes
1: it's better to ke- just keep just, your mouth shut. Just keep your mouth shut. It really. Like, is. You sound
0: like a. You sound like a. You sound,
1: You sound like a jerk. At the very, at, at the least, very I mean, least, you, you s- sound like a jerk. You, you sound yep. you sound like a yeah. It's a very callous statement. Very, very cold statement. Very it's not well thought out in my mind. And and it you know prisons are supposed to be correctional facilities, and in my heart, I want to believe that we can get people through that system, and it can serve at, as that function. Simply, it's not the case every time. Right. And this is this is a situation where. Alfonso, quote unquote, did his time, but was clearly not ready. He was not rehabilitated. To, to, no, no,
0: there was, there was, and, 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 absolutely and, and,
1: not. A, and, and a beautiful young woman had to die because of that. Because we got it wrong. Because our justice system and society got, got that one wrong. We did. Yes.
0: Yep. There's. I mean, I, I know it's going to sound dramatic, but there's. You know, her her blood is on the the justice system's hands. It it really is because that guy should have never. You know, there's also limitations too, right? But but we have to make sure that we get these things right. Like, yeah. that's the whole point. It is. So, of course, you know, he was sentenced to death, so there comes the the appeals. You know, it's like an automatic appeal, basically. Mm-hmm. So, in the appeal, there were 21 different arguments presented. So, I mean, it's a lot. It's like a 270-page document. So, one of the things that was brought into question was the acid phosphate testing, which, of course, is semen-found- in the vagina and the cervix. Okay. And so, with that, you know, they went through this whole argument about, you know, the the medical examiner and and you know the time frame if her body had been sitting there since November, you know, like how long would it stay? Well, the the frozen weather is going to preserve that. You know, how long is it preserved for? All of that. I mean, it's it is. It was a it was a big part. So, um, so do, then, do,
1: I know oh. some of the some of the documents were 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 you know many of them, if not most of them, all of them were sealed for this one. Do you know in the medical examiner in that this acid phosphate testing was it positive for his semen in her?
0: So it didn't. So I don't know that you can do DNA testing. Is is okay. what I, is what is my understanding? So if I'm I, if I'm incorrect in that. You know, it's it's not like it's there's not DNA testing. It's just it shows semen, think, and then there was evidence of sexual assault. Okay, so, so there's
1: evidence of sexual assault, but yeah. they couldn't conclusively say. Yeah, this is this for is, sure this his. Is, this is this is okay. Right.
0: Yeah. So then, also brought into question was the relevance of his prior sexual assault convictions, which, I'm I'm sorry. How how do you how do you bring that? How do you not bring that up? Yeah. I mean, you you have to. Yeah. So it, it's just it's you I, know I, then then what he did was um, when when questioning the the prior sexual assault things one of the one of the previous victims
1: was brought said, in as a witness was was brought in as a witness wow. and, and said I'm surprised that, they allowed that honestly
0: right um, well but it was that was part of yeah that was part of the thing and and so during the appeal they called that into question because she was asked if it, you know, or she had said that it caused serious bodily injury and during her testimony. And so he called that into question. The, the, the appeal attorney called it into question because she wasn't clinically diagnosed with PTSD. Oh, so this is, this is the blame, the victim. Yeah. Um, this is the blame, the victim culture that has to, we have to, we can't do this anymore. So she was questioned because he was convicted of sexual assault on her on her and
1: she but but, she's not been diagnosed with PTSD clinically diagnosed with
0: ptsd and so therefore it shouldn't have been able they shouldn't have been able to enter it into evidence that proved that you know basically or because they couldn't prove that she didn't suffer serious bodily injury it's i i understand that questioning but also i don't because it's slimy it's disgusting i i don't when did it become okay to do that? You know, I mean, this is, there's just layers of, of, of issues. So, anyway, unfortunately, the, it happens
1: more often than, than most of us know.
0: Right. Yep. Then also brought in a question was the excessive victim impact testimony during sentencing.
1: Uh, I'm,
0: I'm sorry. What? So they don't, the, so those left behind don't get the opportunity to say.
1: I've yet to see that one in an appeal. Excessive <laughs> right. victim impact. Like testimony. he is
0: just, he is just layering how big of a jerk he is. In my opinion, that's that's my personal opinion. Then also brought in a question after. Um, I
1: mean, he's he's doing his job. He uh, he I, okay, is. He but, is but, doing his job is, well. But this is the kind
0: have, of guy. This is the kind of guy that gives attorneys bad names. I, I it's know. okay to question things. It's, I get it. it, it. We should be questioning. It doesn't things.
1: feel good and it's gross. But in the system that we've designed, it's perfectly legal. You know what this guy is doing, and our he he's doing. To the best of his ability as an attorney, it, I'd want him as my lawyer if I was in a bad situation. He's clearly, you know, well, it's not great. I don't, I don't love what he's doing, but it's, it yeah. is, yeah, I, I it know, is legal. I it. It's legal, but, uh, you know, but it's distasteful, uh, but it's disgusting. legal. It's disgusting.
0: It's disgusting. Yeah. Also I the get question, it. it's
1: more disgusting that we have a legal system that allows, that allows it. it, or maybe it's not because there's a lot of innocent people behind bars too. There's, I, I said, look back to Milgard. You I know, know like, I know. Some lawyer had to do this for Milgard, and, and not he was right—not not quite this. like I know, not quite like this. But people had to fight, you know.
0: But questioning—I understand that fight, but questioning questioning the the level of impact that a oh, yeah. sexual no, assault had on a victim—that is uh, no. When he was previously no convicted no of that. it, yeah. Um, he also brought in a question: the handshake uh, between Drew, uh, Drew's dad, and and the prosecuting attorney, which is you know Drew Wrigley, that because it was in front of the jury after his testimony, huh. and, and I mean this is this is I mean, this is just a, a part of you know some of the list. So, the grassman has straws. Yeah, absolutely, and and so the one of the biggest things, or one of there's a couple of them. One of the biggest things is that the jury was not given residual doubt instructions, and, and so the Supreme Court attains and according to case law that those directions don't need to be given at all because it's not a mitigating circumstance so it's not a it's not you know it's it just goes without being said but what i what i felt like was happening as i'm reading this appeal is yes grasping at straws and you just <laughs> there's a there's a, a a quote that during testimony during the appeal or during testimony the appeal was brought up that because one of the attorneys the prosecuting attorneys said you know, is this just how we just, we just throw things at the wall and let them see what sticks? And so, but that's, that's basically, like, that's basically yes. what, it that like. what it sounds like. And, and so I, I, what first came to my mind as I'm reading this is it's, it's not like you're at Dairy Queen and if they forget to turn your blizzard upside down, you get a free one, right? But that's, that's what it's, the, 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 the legal system with all of the case law is created that way. But at what point is it not? You know, it, and is that the whole point of the Supreme Court? I, I mean, the, the appeal is the Karen and process and the high court is the manager. Like, I mean, is this, you know, it, it's just baffling to me on, on, on these grounds. But one of the biggest things, and I think this is where this is, this is worth mentioning. And, and this is, this is what has stuck is if Alfonso Rodriguez is intellectually disabled. So if he is intellectually disabled. Putting him to death goes against the Eighth Amendment. So mm-hmm. then we, you know, we're not able to—that's sure. cruel and unusual pun- punishment. And so they—they they maintain that 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 was, you know, potentially caused because of the effects of pesticides that he was exposed to as a child. You know, his family was a migrant work—were migrant workers. You know, I mean, there's so there's so much. Then. He didn't bring. have a great life.
1: I'll, I'll, he didn't. Give him no, that. he didn't like, have he a great had, life. A but it doesn't. Life. But just because
0: he had a tough life doesn't no, mean he doesn't, gets doesn't, to do these things. No, right? not at you know? all. But, but what's? It, but you,
1: you can see where a murderer is made in some of these cases. Absolutely. You absolutely. It, it can. doesn't. It's not a justification of it happening nope, ever. And I want to make that clear to it. our listeners. Yeah, it's not condoning it. It's just some of these stories, the lives these peoples have had, the traumas they faced, the terrible upbringing, the violence they may have been witness to. It. It. You can just see. It's like sometimes the writing's on the wall.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry. Some of
1: these people. You look at the. The, the way their their life was and well, it's like at, i'm, I'm just not i'm i'm not surprised that it led to them being a murderer it's sad and tragic but you can see it it's not like there's not warning signs
0: no you can you can monday morning quarterback it all day long i think and that's it's not that's to the say all part.
1: of them it, it happens all but man it's
0: it's it's a lot yeah so so the latest appeal because that was heard rodriguez appeal was originally heard in 2009 in the eighth circuit court of appeals it was it they they lost i'm guessing yeah they lost and the supreme court declined to hear the case then so the latest appeal how do you get another one because you i mean you've got oodles and oodles of appeal a chance of appeals oh so the the habeas corpus uh, appeal motion began in 2011 so that's basically your last chance of appeal before execution habeas corpus brings in things not discussed during the trial or regular appeal and one estimation uh, well hang on before i go there so this one is is based on something that actually, I mean, could make sense. So because his trial lawyers were surprised that he was not found intellectually disabled. They were surprised. So the latest appeal is based on ineffective counsel for failing to investigate and present evidence of intellectual disability and toxins exposure. So they didn't bring that to light. Instead of questioning it and, and deeping, or diving deeper into that, they just, the, the, the trial attorneys kind of skipped over it. So I think this is like the main part of the, the appeal now and what could actually completely change this case. So there's a huge disagreement between psychologists and neuropsychologists between his intellectual functioning. One of the most recent uh, responses was the state's rebuttal showing that Rodriguez was in fact fit to stand trial and was not intellectually disabled. There were a series of tests that, that he's gone through multiple times his school history was reviewed. His mother and sisters were interviewed, and he showed, at the very least, just to be socially isolated. Sure. So he was aware of current events. And, you know, at the time we're talking like the WikiLe- WikiLeaks, um, Edward Snowden, the George Zimmer- Zimmerman prosecution of Trayvon Martin. Was that really that long ago? That was that long ago. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, he was aware of those things, and he was even, and even in this crime, he was able to demonstrate problem-solving skills. You know, by the way he concealed. The, the murder of Shadin.
1: quite ineffectively, but right. there was but an he, effort. But he, but he, there was an
0: effort, and he was doing that. And then they also brought up that he was he's careful with his diabetes and knows his medications, knows what he can and cannot eat. You know those those types of things. the The defense maintains that that is actually not how that works. And then they also uh, maintain that their psychologist says he, you know, he is not fit to stand trial. Um, he is intellectually disabled. So. This is where we're at today in this case. One, he's, he's found guilty. He has admitted his guilt. In, yeah, in an interview a few years ago, he had admitted his guilt with one of the, the psychologists. But now it is just saying that he is not fit. You know, he, he's intellectually disabled and therefore should not be put to death. One, um, one estimation is that the appeal process will continue for another 10 years. So,
1: <laughs> this is so stupid and pointless. He's it, admitted it, it. He's been found guilty. I mean, come on.
0: And so, that, I mean, yeah, he's currently in Indiana on death row. His original trial cost $1.2 million, which is the most in North Dakota history. His Eighth Circuit appeal cost 158000 and his incar- incarceration, about a year ago, the estimation was that it's cost about $380,000. So the
1: trial cost $1.2 million.
0: Experts and all of that. I mean, it's it, it's that's plus moving it, housing the jury, all that stuff for as long as they did. I mean, it's it adds one point two million dollars, and that was twenty years ago. Oh no, it's no, even, well, not quite. I mean, two thousand six, but, yeah. but
1: damn, damn near, to, damn near ta- damn near to more. fifteen years ago, anyways. And that's an expensive mm-hmm. trial for somebody. I I, I don't know. This guy's a lifelong criminal. Right? Why? It's like a, so much effort to not, put a killer behind bars.
0: Not just not just a maybe
1: that's good because that means again that I, I got to remind myself that this same system quote unquote protects the innocent I
0: know I yeah I it's, gotta remind
1: myself it's but hard a, to but in I,
0: cases like this it's hard to remember that it's right hard, it's hard to,
1: it's, it's, it, it is it's and, and and also when we know that this same system that is designed to protect the innocent has time and again prosecuted the innocent, the innocent. so it, it's and, just, and executed the innocent Yes.
0: Right. So it, it's it's yeah.
1: A million plus dollars on, on this guy. When you add up his incarceration and the circuit, almost appeal, two million. you're almost at two million dollars mm-hmm. for a guy who murdered a beautiful young woman it not, ain't worth any penny.
0: Not to mention, you know, so then the federal prosecutor's office. Right. So they're all still working on this case, plus other cases. Right. And they've been working on this for 20 years almost. Yeah. You know, Who's
1: pushing forth that appeal? His
0: attorney, of course stop. he stop.
1: Just stop. He admitted his guilt. Just stop. Go move on with your life.
0: He admitted his guilt. But now the question is whether they can execute him or not. Because so then just
1: say, well, you know what? We're not gonna execute him. We'll let him sit there. Just call call it good. Stop spending money on this. Stop putting this effort in. It's it's the, frustrating. The,
0: the prosecutor's office, their their experts say that he is is competent enough. He is, I don't want to say competent enough. I don't to understand it that way. what he was doing. He is, he right. is not intellectually disabled and can understand what he was doing. Yeah. Therefore the death penalty should stick. So that's where the disagreement comes in. Right. Right. So it, this, this case is not, I mean, it's far from, it's far from over. It's never over for the family and friends no, Drew Shedin, of Drew Shadeen. And, it's not. No, it's- and, you know, so how did this change life for people and for women specifically college age women? We were terrified leaving work. We used the buddy system And this is the case that cemented the fact that we will always have to be aware of our surroundings, leaving work on the phone, shopping. Someone is always watching and someone can, I mean, we can be taken like that. And it's, it's, it's terrifying. This is the one, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that this is the one that has changed my life as, as an adult. And, and one that not only do I use the Gina North case, you know, but this is the, this case also that I, I make sure that I am always aware of what I'm doing in the parking lot I might look like my phone, is, my nose is stuck in the phone. But I mean, I, I'm teaching my kids, my my daughters. You know, I can't, I can't imagine going through this. I can't imagine my daughters going through this. I, I just, and, and it's, it's changed things. So Linda Walker, uh, Drew's mom, has become a major victims' advocate. She has pushed for, for so much, and and has made just. Great strides, uh, you know, as a as an advocate. And so I'm going to read her bio. She's she's part of the Surviving Parents Coalition. Uh, Linda Walker is the mother of Drew Shadin who at age 22 was kidnapped from a mall parking lot. Uh, Linda Walker has since become a tireless advocate of women and children, speaking out against the violence that too frequently takes aim at them. Her journey has taken her through the country as she speaks to college students, law enforcement, and the media to raise awareness and rally support for legislation. And it does it does go on to to speak a little bit more about what she's. What she is, has done, which is commendable, and uh, you know, because dealing with such a horrendous loss, you know, I, I I can't imagine. And so to be able to to take that and and fight for good is uh, is amazing. Um, her husband, Drew's stepfather, Sid Walker, passed away from cancer in 2011, and Alan uh, Shadeen, who is now retired, still hopes for for justice. And when talking about an appeal hearing in 2003. He said, quote, justice will be served. We aren't going anywhere. We will be here. And they, they go to every hearing hours away. They, they go. In 2005, Drew's Law, uh, 2006, kind of both. Uh, Drew's Law, which is part of the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act, made major changes to federal sexual abuse, exploitation, and transportation crimes. It created new crimes and also or like new charges, basically, if they need to, and also increased sentences for established crimes. The Walsh Act was signed into law finally then in 2006. The National Sex Offender Public Registry was, named for, was renamed to the Drew Shadeen National Sex Offender Public Website, which, quote, provides information to the public on the whereabouts of registered sex offenders regardless of state, territory, or tribal boundaries. As it
1: always should have been. Yeah, absolutely. We're way late in that, but we won't go there.
0: So sources for today, this is the first case that I haven't been able to pull all of the reports that we typically do. You know, from uh, case files, court documents, all of that stuff, because the case is still an appeal, and of course will be for in the you know in the foreseeable future. You know, so everything is still sealed. And there was even a hearing not long ago. I want to say within the last year or two that that brought that seal into question, and it remains that way. So one estimation again is is that that will be that way for another ten years. You know, so that they're not going to unseal those those documents with with appeals hanging in the, in the wind there. Um, so other sources, uh, the Fargo forum, federal court documents, the ones that were unsealed that I was able to get, uh, the Drew Shadeen national sex offender public website and the, uh, see no evil episode of watching drew. I, I do recommend it. It's got some personal interviews with, with those, close to her so thanks for joining us for this episode one of our awesome listeners coined the phrase came for the midwest stayed for the murder
1: stayed for the murder
0: so be sure to subscribe rate and review thanks yeah. for listening
1: big thank you again to shots crossroad for sponsoring this episode of the good talk our legendary local hometown truck stop truck stop <laughs> truck stop here in minot they're available for you 24 7 pie breakfast all day steak all you name it ranch it's all delicious maybe. get your ranch fix at Shots Crossroads. Thanks, guys. This is the Thanks West for Bird. listening.